As many of you know, we've been uh, looking at worship over the past few weeks. And this morning we're going to continue to do that in Exodus chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, um, I'd like you to turn there with me this morning. And we're going to turn to verse 21. While you're looking for that, I'll just review um, what we've been talking about the past few weeks. Um, About two weeks ago, Adam started a sermon talking about worship and looking at how we should be worshiping God because He is the Creator. But we no longer choose to worship Him and instead choose to worship ourselves. Last week, he continued that sermon and looked at how Abel, um, we, we should be like Abel and devote ourselves more fully to God, giving as much as we can. But in light of that, we need to humble ourselves, remembering that no matter what we do, it's never going to be enough. And for that reason, we need to trust in Christ and what he has done, and we must come to him to worship. Let's read this passage in Exodus chapter 12, and I'm going to read from verses 21 to 27. This is the word of the Lord. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of the house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, You shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? You shall say, It is the service of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the house of Israel, of the people of Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. This is the word of the Lord. So to give some background context to what we just read, I'm just going to kind of give a brief overview of the first 11 chapters of Exodus, just so you know what's going on. So historically, um, Israel is enslaved in Egypt right now. And at the beginning, we remember that Pharaoh decreed all the baby boys were to be killed, and Moses was able to escape this. Um, As Moses grows up, eventually he ends up killing an Egyptian man, and he runs away into the wilderness. He's called back by God 40 years later to call Israel out of slavery. And this did take some convincing. Um, But eventually, he and Aaron go to Pharaoh, and when Pharaoh will not let them go, there's plague sent. And so just a reminder of the plagues, there was 10 plagues sent. The first was uh, water turned to blood, then there was frogs, then gnats, then flies, then the Egyptian livestock died, then there's boils, then hail, then darkness, or sorry, then locusts, then darkness, then the death of the firstborn. And that was the final tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. And so Exodus 12 
Um, the death of the firstborn has been announced, this plague, but it has not yet happened. So it's kind of taking place in the middle, and it will take, come, to, come to pass in this chapter as well. So that is um, verses 21 to 27 are what we're going to focus on today. So let's look at those in a little bit greater detail. So when we look um, first at verse 21, we have the selection of the lamb. And it says, Then Moses called all the elders of of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans. There are very strict rules for the selection of the lamb. Um, They couldn't just pick any lamb. And if you were to read earlier than that, in verse 5, it outlines some of these requirements. So I'm just going to read that for you. It says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. So that's uh, Exodus 12, verse 5. So we see that this lamb that, that Israel is supposed to select, each household, is supposed to be without blemish first. It's a pure lamb, and it's going to be the best of all the lambs. This lamb is also supposed to be a male lamb. It's supposed to be one year of age. So this lamb is going to be taken in its prime, in the prime of its life. So again, reinforcing that this is the best of the lambs. And again, it may be, te- may be te- taken from the sheep or the goats. The second thing that I want to show is that the rest of verse 21 there says, and kill the Passover lamb. So the second point is that the lamb is the slaughtering of the lamb. So there's a selection, then the slaughtering. And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. That was verse six, and it kind of highlights again um, more about this lamb and the slaughtering of this lamb. So this lamb was supposed to be selected on the tenth day. It's then kept until the 14th day when then all of Israel was going to slaughter them at the same time. As a custom to when killing, the blood was put and kept in a basin. And this is going to be important and we're going to look at it next. So verse 22 then says, Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. So this blood that was collected was to be used on the two doorposts and the lentil. And the lentil is that piece between the two doorposts that kind of holds it together. Um, they were just, you, you take this bunch of hyssop, hyssop, which is a type of plant, and almost use it as a paintbrush. So they're going to dip it in the blood in the basin, and they're going to paint the doorposts and the lentil on the top, covering them with blood. And there is a very specific purpose to this, which we're going to see. Um, I just want to turn your attention back a little bit to verses 8 to 10. Um, this, uh, this whole preparation is almost, it's mentioned twice. Hebrews like to repeat things. And so in the first time that it's talking about this, right after the blood is applied, it talks about the eating of the lamb. So that is our fourth step, is the eating of the lamb. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall not let any of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. 
So that was verses 8 to 10. So although this was not mentioned before, um, the lamb is supposed to be eaten. This is very clear from the text. And they're given specific instructions on this again. It's supposed to be roasted, not boiled, or eaten raw. So they're told how they're supposed to cook this lamb. And they're supposed to cook the entire animal as a whole. They're not supposed to separate it. Its head, inside organs, bones were all were not supposed to be removed. They were all cooked. So it's like putting a whole animal right on the barbecue. And finally, if there was any food that they didn't eat in the morning, and they didn't have to eat the head and the organs and, and all that, they just had to eat the meat, if there was anything that was left, then that was supposed to be burned so that there was nothing left in the morning. Let's look back then at our, our section and see verse 23. This talks about the coming of the destroyer. And it says, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. So during the night after the lamb had been killed, um, the destroyer was going to come. This is the Lord who is executing judgment on those who do not have the blood on their doorposts. It also shows how the Lord will protect those, all of those, who are covered by the blood of the Lamb, which is on their doorposts. So what happens next? We're going to look then at verse 25, and that talks about the Exodus and the Promised Land. And it says, And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. So verse 25 looks ahead to a time when Israel is already in the promised land. So this is um, almost a foreshadowing what's go- what it's going to be like. So this is the promised land that was promised to Abraham back in Genesis 12. So this is coming very soon. It's ex- very exciting. And this also means that the exodus has happened. And for those of you who don't know, when we refer to the Exodus, we're referring to the event when all the Israelites leave slavery in Egypt. And that happens in this chapter in verses 33 to 42. And so as we continue um, and look at this as an order of events, uh, in verses 29 to 32, we see there, that that is the tenth plague. The firstborn is killed. The destroyer comes. So that was our last point. And then immediately following that, there's the exodus. So this comes right after the destroyer comes. In verses 26 and 27, we see the function of the Passover. And it says, And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? You shall say, It is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. So the Passover was to be a reminder for Israel of what God had done for them. It allowed those who lived long after the event to remember the faithfulness of God to Israel. It told Israel that they were to look back and remember and praise God for what he had done. And this did lead to a specific response, which we'll get to. But before that, I want to look at um, who is allowed to participate in the Passover. In verses 43 
49 outline this. I'm just going to read this part. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired servant may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of its flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native to the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. So that's very clear that the Passover is not for everybody. It was specifically for those um, who were Jewish or who had converted to Judaism. And the sign of this was circumcision. There was not, no, the only those who were circumcised were able to take part in this. Nobody who was not was circumcised was allowed to. Circumcised in the flesh, that is. So what's the response? The remainder of verse 27 shows that, and it says, And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. For all generations remembering the Passover led them to worship. It was a response because of what God had done for them. He had saved them out of slavery in Egypt. So they went, they saw what God had done for them. They saw, they remembered that he had brought them out of slavery in Egypt and they would worship the Lord. But what does that mean for us? We are not Israel. We are not living um, living in Israel. We're not Jewish people. So how are we supposed to understand this? So I have nine points which are going to then compare to the nine that were said before. So the first point was the selection of the lamb. So if you remember that there was a male that was supposed to be chosen, chosen and it was supposed to be without blemish in one year of age. This is Jesus. Jesus clearly teaches during the Passover meal in the upper room that he is the new Passover lamb. He was without blemish. He was a male. And he, and like the, the lamb was one year old in the prime of his life, Jesus was a 33-year-old man, which is the prime of a life. He was just like this lamb. They, they compare perfectly to one another. As you continue um, in your New Testament, if you were to continue reading, it's not long after the Passover meal um, that Jesus is killed. So our second point was the slaughtering of the lamb. And we must remember that Jesus was killed and slaughtered just like that lamb was. But again, the blood was useful, just like the lamb's blood was useful. And in verse 22, we looked at the applying of the blood and how, remember, the, the hyssop was used to paint the doorpost. And now we are able to apply Jesus' blood to us. We're going to take it and we're going to apply it up our, the arms, the doorposts, and on the lentil. So this blood is, is coming right onto us. But how do we do this? There is no way to get physical access to Jesus' blood to find it and, and physically put it on yourself. You can't do that. You're not going to find it. Instead, it is applied by calling out to him, showing that we recognize that we are sinners 
and that he is able to save us. And because by, and by doing that, that blood is given to us and we can apply it to ourselves. In verses 8 to 10, we looked at the eating of the lamb and how at the end there was nothing left. This lamb was not supposed to be broken or have any broken bones. It was not supposed to have its head detached like they normally would. Instead, it was, bare, it was, uh, it was eaten as a whole and cooked as a whole, just like Jesus in his burial. Jesus, too, was buried in, this, in one piece, just like the lamb was cooked in one piece. In verse 23, the destroyer comes. And this destroyer, remember, is the Lord who is punishing all those who are not covered, have their doorposts covered by the blood of the Lamb. He then passes over the doorposts of those that are. So let's fast forward, and I will invite you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And we're going to read from 11 to 15. So that's Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up, and the dead were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in it, who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the punishment for sin. This directly relates to the destroyer coming. Just as the destroyer punished all those who were not covered by the blood, so too will this punishment come for all of us who are not covered by Jesus' blood. Therefore, if we, if, if we apply Jesus' blood, we will escape this second death. He will pass over us, just like he did in Israel. But those who do not will face this judgment. And now for the joyful part for us, for those who are saved. In verse 25, we saw how the exodus and the promised land came to the Israelites very shortly after. What does that mean for us? If you look um, right after where we just read, in, which is chapter 21, verse 1, it begins to talk about the new heavens and the new earth. This is a promised land that is for us, for Christians. Just like Israel saved the people out of judgment in Exodus and took them to the promised land, we will be saved out of judgment and taken to the promised land. And this promised land is going to be any better than any promised land there's ever been before. In verse 26 and 27, we looked at the function of the Passover. Before the Passover reminded the people of Israel of what God had done in the past. 
Now it reminds us as Christians what God has accomplished on the cross in the past, but what is to come for us in the future. Right now, if we were to put ourselves in this Exodus story, we are in the house. We have the blood on the doorposts. We have the lamb. Um, It's been eaten. And we're waiting for the destroyer to come. But the destroyer is going to come soon. And and that is also going to bring in the exodus and the new promised land for us. So now the function of this Passover is that we can look back at the cross so that we can look forward at what is to come. And we have the participation of the Passover. So as we mentioned before, only Jews or Jewish converts were able to take part in the Passover. And this meant that they were circumcised in the flesh. This was not something for anyone who was uncircumcised in the flesh. So the question is today, do we still need to be circumcised to take part in this new Passover? And the answer is yes, we do. Although this is not a circumcision of the flesh like before. Instead, it is the circumcision of the heart. Before, flesh was cut off of man by man. Now, the Holy Spirit cuts our hearts, removing the sin from it. Without this circumcision of the heart, we will not be able to take part in this new covenant Passover. So that leads us then to the response. And there's only one response that was appropriate for the Israelites when they remembered the Passover, and that was worship. So we too need to worship. When we think about what Jesus has done on the cross, shedding his blood for us so that it can be applied to us so that we too can have deliverance from judgment soon and can be ushered into this new promised land, we should worship. What other response is there? There's no other appropriate response. So this is our conclusion then. And there's two things to remember. First, if you have applied, if you have not applied Jesus' blood to your life, if you have not put that blood on your doorpost, there is still a chance. The day of judgment is coming soon. And if you have not applied this blood, you are going to face wrath. So I, I, um, if you have questions about that, I encourage you to talk to somebody, especially one of the elders. And secondly, it's for those who have applied the blood. We need to praise the Lord for our salvation. No matter what we're doing, if we're at work, if we're playing, even if we're singing worship songs here on Sunday morning, our thoughts always need to be on what Jesus has done and what he is going to do in the future, very shortly. This should drive us to worship, knowing that Jesus has made a way for our sins to be passed over so that we too can enter into the promised land. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for our sins to be covered so that we um, can escape judgment and go into the promised land. Lord, I pray for those here that have not applied your blood, that have not asked for forgiveness. I pray that you would um, stir in their hearts, that you would work in them, and that they would come to you realizing their need for you 
and the need for your blood. Lord, I also pray for those who have accepted you, who are saved. I pray that we may worship you better in light of this. That as we worship, we can remember what you have done on the cross. We can meditate on that. And we can meditate and remember what you are going to do so soon in the future. Lord, let us praise you for our salvation. I pray that you be with us the rest of this day and as we continue to worship you. In your holy and heavenly name, amen.